Welcome to the Managing Miscarriage Podcast. I am Melissa Whitman, founder of the nonprofit One Generation and our current initiative, Managing Miscarriage. We help women through the heartbreak of miscarriage, and as a nonprofit, we run completely on donations. Our services help thousands of women, so please support us by donating through our website, managingmiscarriage.com, or visit our Patreon page for over 30 more miscarriage stories, as well as exclusive content. Check it out at patreon.com slash miscarriage. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash miscarriage. It's also linked in the details below. Thank you for tuning in. Nikki's joining me today to talk about her ruptured ectopic pregnancy that happened June 2017. So we're coming up on two years and she was about six or seven weeks along and wants to share her experience and also just spread information about ectopic pregnancies. So thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, thank you for having me. So tell us about this journey. I mean, we're coming up on two years for you. So that's, um, anniversaries are always tough. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's crazy that it's been that long already. <laughs> yeah. It goes by really, really quickly. Um, yeah, so um, I guess, you know, my husband and I, we just uh, decided that we wanted to start trying. My parents were retiring close by. They had lived um, several days away from us and they were going to retire. And it's like, oh, this is a great time to try. We'll have more family. Um, and I was super nervous about getting pregnant because I know my mom struggled with, um, you know, she had like five miscarriages. And so oh, I really, she did. Yeah. And, um, you know, she wanted a baseball team. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But, um, so I knew like, you know, I could, I'm probably going to have a hard time. Um, cause I, I knew a lot of women do, but, um, I got pregnant on the first try. Um, and we were super, super excited. Um, and I knew I had had like, um, uh, some kind of like cyst rupture when I was 16. So I knew I, there was a chance I could have some scar tissue. So once I was pregnant, um, I called, I called my gyno right away and, um, they still didn't schedule me until like the 13 weeks, which I thought was really weird. I'm like, okay, all right. Well, this is a, that black hole oblivion, like twilight zone phase. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just, you know, trying, I wanted to do everything in my power to, to like be on top of it. And yeah. So we're just in this waiting phase and, um, around, I don't know, it was probably, it was probably the six week mark. I started spotting. Um, we, we were going to tell my parents, um, like that next week, cause it was going to be my dad's birthday. And, um, we had decided to tell like a select few friends, so we had just told um, uh, a few of our friends at the winery, we had like a picnic and, and I remember going to the bathroom and seeing that I was spotting Ugh. and just like trying not to freak out knowing that like this could be normal. It could be normal. I, I know that it happens. And 
So then of course it's on a weekend. And, and so then I, I call on, on Monday and, um, they said, yeah, you know, it could be normal, but let's get you in to test your HCG levels. Um, and so I went in and I think the levels were, um, not what it should have been, but they said, you know, we're going to have you come in to get your HCG run every two days so we can determine if it's a miscarriage or if it's a uh, ectopic. Cause I guess with ectopic pregnancies, um, it can go up and down, um, like one week or your, or one day it'll be low and then the next few days it'll be high. Um, so I did that and uh, went in the, for the second blood test and they said, yes, um, this is definitely a miscarriage. Um, we want to get you in one more, one more time to rule out the ectopic. And so that was, I think that was a Friday. And the, that Friday, I was supposed to go in for my third uh, blood draw to figure out you know, exactly what it was. And I woke up in the middle of the night in excruciating pain um, I, I think I have a pretty high pain tolerance. Um, and I, so I just thought, okay, this must be a miscarriage. Like this must be happening now. Um, and I was still, you know, spotting, but not bleeding heavily. Like I was I spotting maybe a little bit heavier, but not, I wasn't passing anything. And, um, so I tried to hold in until that eight o'clock doctor's appointment. But I think around seven o'clock, I, I was in so much pain. I just told my husband, like, I need to go to the hospital. Um, and so he, he took me to the hospital and I still thought, okay, this must be a miscarriage. Like I, I, I don't know. I, I, at that point, I think I just like, I was in quite a bit of pain. Um, was it sustained pain or was it coming and going like contractions? It was, it was like a sustained pain with contractions. Yeah. So that sustained is kind of classic. Yeah. And it, it, it was okay. really interesting because most like the intense pain was on my right side. Okay. Uh, and later I would come to find out that the pregnancy was on my left side. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, um, I guess a few other signs. Well, I guess I should say that at the hospital, they, they checked me in and then we, after I waited for a long time and eventually I got a vaginal ultrasound, which then they saw that there was fluid in my abdomen and said, yes, it's a topic. Yes. It's, um, it's ruptured. Um, so, you know, I didn't have an option except for emergency surgery. Yeah. Um, and the, so the other, I guess the other symptom is shoulder tip pain. So something with the pressure of the fluid, um, that's a sign of an ectopic is, is you get this really weird pain in your, in your shoulder. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's a weird pain. I mean, not horrible, but just <laughs> it, you wouldn't tie those two things together. Um, Interesting. Unless- yeah. So you get to the emergency room. They yeah. do an ultrasound, which had to be so uncomfortable. <laughs> oh my god, it was it was horrible. I've had a vaginal ultrasound before, but this was of when course you're in pain. Yeah, and it took forever. I, I mean, the the guy that was doing it was trying to be as fast as possible, but I think he clearly saw something and wanted to take as many pictures as he could. 
Um, but yeah, that would, that was pretty horrible. And I, at that point, I'm just, I'm heartbroken, (laughs) you know, I just, yeah. So, um, my, my gynecologist is amazing. I, I thought, you know, with emergency surgery, you, you just get whatever surgeon you get and, and that's how it goes. But they called my OBGYN and she came to the hospital, which she doesn't normally operate on. We have two hospitals here and we just went to the one that was closest to our house. And she operated on me, which was like, oh my gosh, it was amazing. I mean, as, as amazing as that crappy situation could be. Uh, Exactly. (laughs) In the context of the terrible situation. Okay. So did you get to see her before you went in? I, I did. Um, she was amazing. She, I remember like, I, I guess I feel lucky to have like such a great OBGYN. I wish, I really just wish she could be like a doctor for everything. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but she, she came in, I was in pre-op and they let my husband come in as well. And she came in, not even in her scrubs before she dressed down, like I remember she had like these octopus earrings on <laughs> and, <laughs> and she like held my hand and talked to me. And, you know, I think she, she's obviously done this once before, but she knew how excited I was. And, um, you know, we had plans to tell my parents that weekend. And instead I had to give them an emergency phone call that said, I'm pregnant and I'm having emergency surgery. Will you come? <laughs> um, so <sighs> So she was, you know, she explained to me what, what she was going to have to do and that, that I might lose a tube in the process and I might need to have a blood transfusion in the process, um, which I was lucky. I, I, I didn't need to have a blood transfusion. Most women do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, yeah, I guess just that felt, that's when everything felt super real and, you know, you can't can't run from that I remember I think I asked her you know like is can you put it in my uterus <laughs> you know and and like trying to ask clarifying questions like you mean this this could be a viable pregnancy but it's just in the wrong place and not really like understanding like this could have been a perfectly normal pregnancy it was just stuck that was so frustrating it oh. could have been it could have been a perfect pregnancy it was just in the wrong place um, so that was hard. So she's there, you talk through, you ask her these questions and then you go into surgery. You didn't need a blood transfusion, which is great. But what was that feeling waking up after? Gosh, it, it really sucked. Um, yeah. You know, I, I guess the, it was interesting. I had like the keyholes, I think they call it keyhole surgery where they lacroscopically, they go in through your belly button and they make small incisions on your uh, right and left side. Um, And um, in the process, when I woke up, um, she found on my right side, I had um, a bunch of scar tissue and my tube was twisted several times. Um, So I don't know if that's like if I was born that way or if it's from the cyst that I had rupture as a teenager. Um, So she had to remove that tube 
and she cleared the scar tissue up on that side. And then she told me that on the left, the pregnancy was in the left, that it was, um, that she was able to save that too, because the pregnancy was towards the beginning of it. And she was able to kind of, I think she would use the words, milk it out, milk out the pregnancy and then repair it with some mesh. Um, and, and so, you know, that I'm thankful that she didn't take the tube when she didn't need to. Um, cause I, I do have one tube, <laughs> unfortunately lost one. I wasn't expecting to lose. Um, but there is a, you know, there's a chance that it, that tube could work. Um, yeah. So that's shocking news to wake up to. Yeah. Yeah. And I had always had really horrible cycles. Um, and surprisingly after, uh, I guess a blessing is, um, after she cleared that scar tissue up, my cycles did get better. So, um, it, it could have been that that was, there's also a little bit of endometriosis there. Um, but I've yet to kind of get further testing to, um, see if that's an issue but um yeah it was it was kind of cool to see she showed me the pictures she took some pictures and I think that that was really awesome of her as well because she showed me like I got to see the pregnancy um and I got to see what she did and um that was hard for me but also cool I mean the body is interesting place and Mm -hmm. it was cool to see um you know what was going on with me and in that moment I think I I really I mean I you're just kind of running on adrenaline I guess I was sad but um grateful to be alive it's you know the number one cause of pregnancy related death in the United States um so that was, that was a thing too. Like I didn't need a blood transfusion. I was thankful for that. I was sad about losing the pregnancy and, um, sad about losing my tube. And, um, yeah, it was just traumatic. And what about the recovery after emotionally and physically? Yeah. Um, they, I think they said I couldn't do anything for like, I think six to eight weeks and I'm super active. I'm a, uh, a pole dancer and, um, I do other forms of dance as well. Um, but I took, um, during the day I work in mental health. So I took, um, I just took 10 days off and I really regret not taking longer. Um, I was, I, I recovered pretty quickly from, um, from just like the incisions. I was a little sore and, um, you know, you're a little odd because of the way that they, they blow you up with gas when you get laparoscopic surgery. Um, but, uh, yeah. So, so recovery wise, I feel like I felt like I could move all right after a week. Um, but I was grieving the, you know, losing my, a body part that was tied to my fertility And, um, I think that first week I, I was just focused on like feeling better physically. Um, I guess, I mean, there really isn't a 
time period where you work through stuff emotionally, but it definitely was difficult for me to go back to work. I, um, I work in mental health and substance use. Um, so I'm often working with, um, mothers who are pregnant who might be using substances. Um, and my work was really supportive around that. I, I knew that I wouldn't be able to provide, um, treatment, um, in a non-biased way, uh, right away. So I did say, I can't, you know, I can't work with pregnant people right now. I just can't. Um, and that was really hard. I mean, that even seeing pregnant people (laughs) was, was difficult. So, um, yeah, I think if I would have, uh, I could have gone back in time. I would have taken a little bit more time off to, to heal emotionally. That seems to be a common theme that I hear, but we just don't give ourselves like that permission to just do nothing because doing nothing can be healing. So Mm -hmm. what, what did you do? So you went back to work, but what else did you do to help that healing process? Yeah. Um, well, I, I did, uh, kind of, we did a few, I guess I'd call them a ritual. Um, so I, my husband at the time was working on an art commission. Um, and so he took as much time as, as he could off, but, um, during the second part of my healing process, I went and stayed with my um, family on the coast. And, um, you know, I wrote, I wrote some stuff down on a piece of paper and I put it in the ocean. Um, just, just to feel like I had closure and to feel like I could put out, you know, what I want in the future out. And, um, then my husband and I also did, um, he bought these, uh, pieces of paper that I don't know what they're called, but, you basically write on it and then you light it on fire and they kind of, they're kind of like Chinese lanterns. Is that what they're called? But it was just a smaller version. Um, So we did some, some rituals that I felt like were really helpful. And um, what I really learned was um, (laughs) grief comes up or sadness comes up in the most inopportune times, like, (sighs) you know, and to just let yourself ride that that wave. Um, so we'd be out on a date night and we'd end up talking about having a baby and we'd end up crying, be crying together, you know, at, uh, over drinks or we'd be at target and walk past the baby aisle and see something super cute and get really sad. Um, but in that, I also ended up talking about it pretty casually, like, um, you know, people like, at the pet store, you know, I, I go to this place all the time or like at the hair salon. And, and one day I was talking with my hairdresser about, um, about, you know, what had happened to me. And this woman in the chair next to me is like, Oh my gosh, I, I had a miscarriage a few weeks ago and we ended up like connecting and, um, she ended up going to the, there was a support group and that's how I found out about the support group that, um, I had gone to once. And, um, so in talking about it more openly, as vulnerable as it feels, I've connected with so many women who have had this happen, some kind of loss. And 
you know, it feels less scary every time you talk about it. And then it opens up the, I'm not alone. Like this happens way more than we knew about. And yet we still like, can't talk about it. Well, I mean, we can, but it's still, there's just that weird stigma around talking about it. And, and the more we do, the easier it's going to be, but our world is weird right now. Um, I know it's super weird. And we like, you don't want to make someone feel uncomfortable, but the possibility of connecting if they have been through it is just so worth it. I agree. I, I agree a hundred percent. And I think people, when you mention it, like casually people like, Oh my gosh, I'm so, so sorry. Um, And so then it makes them feel awkward if they can't relate to you. Um, because they don't I've learned to just let them feel awkward. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. And it is okay. Cause it comes from a place of, they don't know what to say. And how are you supposed to know what to say if like, we don't talk about it? <laughs> that's, su- that's such a good point. It's like this <laughs> dog chasing its tail. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, um, when I came back people acknowledged what had happened to me emergency surgery wise. Like, how are you recovering? How are you doing? But no one really acknowledged that I lost something aside from my tube. And so it felt like this weird elephant in the room, like that people didn't want to acknowledge that it was not, not, well, that's going to sound wrong, but like people didn't know how to acknowledge that you lost, that you lost something, a life that you created, even if it was, you know, still in the beginning stages, it's like, they don't want to say that because they don't want to make you cry, but they want to say something to support you. It's just this weird gray area. It is, but you talking about it helps that big time. So I'm super curious how this was for your husband and your relationship. Yeah. Um, you know, my, my husband's amazing. We were, um, we were best friends a long time before we, we got together. Um, so he is also in mental health and he's very comfortable talking about his emotions Um, Oh, that's so helpful. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And he was really just concerned about me. I mean, he was he was sad, but he was so scared of losing me. And now we've both been in situations where the other person could have died. And I think, you know, that was his main thing at first was like getting through the fact that that I was alive and I was. Yeah. And then later you know, he, I think he was able to process with me and, and as on our date nights and our random cry nights, <laughs> um, we, yeah, we talked about it a lot and that was really, really helpful. And he checked in with me all the time and, um, you know, it really, it made us, I didn't think we could get any closer. <laughs> um, but we definitely, we've gotten a lot closer and, um, I just, yeah, I, I, it kind of forces you to, to, you either get closer or you get further apart. Those are your two options. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
and um, he was, yeah, very supportive and very sweet. That's wonderful. Oh my gosh. That is, and you know, you never want to have to go through this, but it is very helpful to come out in a stronger relationship, a stronger partnership. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel thankful to have someone who will talk about it with me, you know, and if I need to talk about it, he's there. Or if he wants to talk about it, he can bring it up. And, um, you know, now we're talking about trying again. So, <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> how about that for you? So you have one tube, you've been given the all clear. Yeah. Go for it. I mean, so how's that going? Yeah. So we haven't actually tried yet. I, you know, I strongly felt like, well, I'm part of, part of, um, that happening is I think all, all women go through a series of like, what did I do wrong? Did I do anything to cause this? And I was so concerned, like, you know, did my dancing cause this? Was I too active? Did I, what did I do wrong? Is there anything I could have done? Like any, I just, you know, I went through that period where I struggled to, to like, I wanted to find a reason for it. (laughs) And um, so uh, yeah, I felt like I needed at least a year to get back on like, okay, I'm going to focus on me. I'm going to focus on healing because I wanted to be prepared for it as bad as this sounds to happen again. Cause my percentage increases from a 3% chance to a 10% chance of it happening again. And, um, you know, I just want to be real and, you can't really be prepared for it to happen again, but I guess I just wanted to spend some time to focus on, you know, our independent interests and, and focus on traveling and being happy as a couple. And, um, yeah. So now I feel like, um, I've had some time to be selfish and do some things and, work through it. And this is kind of like a final, I don't know, getting to share my story, um, this kind of feels like a final thing. Um, I've been cleared by the doctor. If there is one more thing I could do called an HSG, I think it's called an Mm -hmm. HSG where they shoot dye through your tubes to see if they're open. Um, but it's not covered by insurance. And my guy now just said, you know, if it were me, I'd just try again. Um, cause there was, there, they couldn't find a reason as to why I had a blockage on my left side. They didn't see anything um, when she went in there. So, um, yeah. So I don't know. That's kind of where we're we're at. We're talking about it. We're not actively trying yet. I have a performance in June, and and I want to get through that. But then after that, I think, um, yeah, we'll be on to the next step. Okay. I did think of. Um... One thing, so you had shared that you were pregnant with a couple people? Yeah. Is that right? And you mentioned to me before that you regret sharing that. Yeah. Well, well so I would... talk us through that. And and maybe I'm I might be miss um I might have said that wrong, but there's some people that are like, I wish I had told everyone. And some people are like, I wish I hadn't said anything. So I just would love to hear your thoughts on that. 
Yeah, yeah. I'm glad that you brought it back to that because I do have strong feelings about that. Um, so I, we had, we weren't going to tell anyone at first cause everybody, I feel like everyone's like, mm, no, 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 don't tell until your 13th week because you never know what could happen. And I, I just felt that pressure. So, but then I have a really hard time, um, keeping things from the people I love. I want to share those things. And so we did tell um, a few close friends and we had ordered these really cute onesies for my parents to open. Um, we were going to tell them that that weekend that I ended up having emergency surgery, but um, I actually regret not telling more people um, because I felt like, and I feel like I was robbed of the joy of feeling it with other family members. Like, I, I'm never going to feel that excitement about being pregnant again until I know for sure it's going to (laughs) stick. Like, you know, and I, I think that that's some, I mean, anyone that's had a loss can, I'm sure can relate to that is like, I wish, because we were so happy. Oh my God. We were just like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, we're in names. And like, I was on a eating, like, like keeping my fertility diet and super strict and like feeling so good, making sure I got vegetables from every color of the rainbow. And like, we were just so excited and we kept it from people I wish I, we would have shared with. Um, and so I think that that's, I don't know, maybe that's an alternative view, but I really wish, really wish we would have shared more with people. One, because there would have been that, the remembrance of that joy and then two, then we wouldn't have to tell so many, well, we would have to tell people that we lost it, but it wouldn't be like a, I don't know. I feel like we would have had more support that way, I guess. Um, well, and then it wouldn't be we're pregnant, but we're not. Yeah. Well. Okay. So thank you for clarifying that. Cause I definitely understood wrong and I was super um, interested. So you wish you had shared it. You regret not sharing it yeah. with more people. Yeah. Totally. I I totally agree. Yeah. It's so interesting though, because I, I agree. I feel the same way. I've heard other people say it, but I've never had anyone verbalize that they wish they could have had memories of the joy with their loved ones. That's, yeah. yeah. I'm just having a little, one of those Oprah aha moments right now. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's awesome. Okay. That's good. That's good. Yeah, I just okay. remember, like, the, the people that we shared it with, it was, like, I remember that day, and that was also, um, that might have been the day that I started spotting, too, but I just, like, I remember it. I remember being giddy about telling people them, and, like, just so, just so excited to share that information, and, um, yeah, yeah, so, I mean, I'll still hold that memory, um, as a joyful time, but, but I just, yeah, I, I don't think that's going to happen again for me. If I, if I get pregnant, it's not, it's going to be anxiety and trying to breathe through the uh, horrible waiting process. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Every second, every second is a journey into mindfulness. That's for sure. So will you share it again when you get pregnant? Will you share right away, even though it's going to be laden with anxiety? Will you share it again? That's a really good question. I mean, I, I think so. 
Um, Just to have that support. I think to have the support one, yeah. I, I also believe in like the therapeutic benefits about, about talking about it. And um, I was very open on social media. Um, I, yeah, I, I think so. I guess I don't want to say for sure. Cause you never know until you're in that situation, but um, I think I'm probably going to be a nervous wreck at work. And so they're definitely going to know because <laughs> um, I've, I've got a great support of work. And, um, you know, I know that that if I told them that they would be uh, gentle with me and um, supportive. And yeah, yeah, I think so. Good. <laughs> Is there anything else you want to share with us today? You know, I just think that um, so. When when I went through the topic, I ended up finding a support group on um, Facebook and um, connecting with other women who had experienced ectopics was really helpful for me. Um, so I guess one that there is a support group. I found a, a, a huge support network and connected with someone um, who had this exact same thing happen on the exact same day as I did. And we actually FaceTimed and it was really healing for me. Um, because I felt like, you know, it's, there's just like more things to talk about along the lines of like losing a tube and having emergency surgery. And, um, I also think that the screening process for ectopic pregnancies, um, needs to maybe change a little bit, or if, you know, if someone comes in with, they might have scar tissue on their tubes or they know they could be at risk for an ectopic or they've been told in the past, then there needs to be a, an immediate screening process. Whereas now that I've had one, there will, when I get pregnant again, they'll get me in as soon as possible. But before, even though we knew I was in a higher risk category, I wasn't scheduled to go in until the 13th week. So I, I do think, um, you know, some awareness around that need, I guess, needs to happen. And, and I'm not a doctor, so, um, you know, but it just seems like, yeah, the warning signs, knowing the warning signs and um, faster screening times to determine if, yeah, if the pregnancy is in the right spot. I don't know. I, I guess that's, that's my last two cents. <laughs> Yeah, those are good thoughts. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Well, best of luck. And thank you so much for sharing your story today. Thank you so much for having me. And I just, I really, I love what you're doing. And, um, you know, I just commend all the women that are sharing their stories. I listen to this podcast pretty regularly. And um, I just, I think that, it's going to, you're helping a lot of women and all the other women that are telling their stories are, are doing the same too. Interested in hearing more miscarriage stories? We have over 30 more episodes on Patreon. Check it out at patreon.com miscarriage. 
That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash miscarriage. It's also linked in the details below. Stay connected. Find us on Instagram at managing.miscarriage, on Facebook at Miscarriage Nonprofit, and don't forget to download our free e-guide on our website, managingmiscarriage.com. If you liked this episode, please leave us a rating so more women can find us. Also, listen to exclusive episodes directly on the Patreon app.